My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 19. We're going to be reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Genesis 35 and 36, Job 25 and 26, Proverbs 3, verse 19 through 24. Genesis 35. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there, and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you, and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had, and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak of Shechem. Then he set out, and the terror of God fell on the towns all around them, so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel, because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak outside Bethel, so it was named Elan Bukuth. After Jacob returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, Your name is Jacob. But you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will be among your descendants. The land I give to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him, and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. Then they moved on from Bethel. While they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't despair, for you have another son. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Anoi, but his father named him Ben-Hamin. So, so Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Migdal-Edar. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilah. And Israel heard of it. Jacob had twelve sons. The sons of Leah, Reuben the first of Jacob, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. The sons of Rachel's servant, Bilhah, Dan, and Zephtali. The sons of Leah's servant, Zilpah, Gadar, and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob, who were born to him in Padam Aran. Jacob came home to his father Isaac and Mamre, near Karath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had stayed. 
Isaac lived 180 years. Then he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, old and full of years, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Genesis 36. This is the account of the family line of Esau, that is, Edom. Esau took his wives from the women of Canaan, Adah, daughter of Elon the Hittite, and Ohalabimah, daughter of Anah, and granddaughter of Zibion the Hivite, also Basemath, daughter of Ishmael, and sister of Nebioth. Adah bore Elphaz to Esau, Basemath bore Raul, and Ohalabimah bore Jesh, Jalam, and Karah. These were the sons of Esau, who were born to him in Canaan. Esau took his wives and sons and daughters and all the members of his household, as well as his livestock and all his other animals and all the goods he had acquired in Canaan, and moved to a land some distance from his brother Jacob. Their possessions were too great for them to remain together. The land where they were staying could not support them both because of their livestock. So Esau, that is Edom, settled in the hill country of Sire. This is the account of the family line of Esau, the father of the Edomites, in the hill country of Sire. These are the names of Esau's sons, Eliphaz, the son of Esau's wife, Adah, and Raul, the son of Esau's wife, Basemath, the sons of Eliphaz, Timen, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kenaz. Esau's son, Eliphaz, also had a concubine named Timnah, who bore him Amalek. These were grandsons of Esau's wife, Adah. The sons of Raul, Nahath, Zerah, Shemah, and Mizah, these were grandsons of Esau's wife, Basemath. The sons of Esau's wife, Ohalabamah, daughter of Anah, and granddaughter of Zibion, who she bore to Esau. Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. These were the chiefs among Esau's descendants. The sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn of Esau, chiefs of Teman, Omar, Zepho, Kanaz, Korah, Gatam, and Amalek. These were the chiefs' descendants from Eliphaz and Edom. They were grandsons of Adah. The sons of Esau's son, Raul, chiefs Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah. These were the chief descendants from Raul and Edom. These were grandsons of Esau's wife, Basemath. The sons of Esau's wife, Ohalabimah, chiefs Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. These were the chief descendants from Esau's wife, Ohalabimah, daughter of Anah. These were the sons of Esau, that is Edom, and these were their chiefs. These were the sons of Sire the Horite, who were living in the region, Lotan, Shabal, Zibion, Anah, Dehan, Ezer, and Dishan. These sons of Sire and Edom were Horite chiefs. The sons of Lotan, Hori, and Hamam, Timnah, was Lotan's sister. The sons of Shobal, Alvan, Manahath, Ebal, Shep- Shepo, and Anam. These sons of Zibion, Ahi, Anah, this is Anah who discovered the hot springs in the desert while he was grazing the donkeys of his father Zibion. The children of Anah, Dehan and Ohalabimah's daughter of Anah. The sons of Dehan, Hemden, Ishban, Ithran, and Quran. The sons of Izer, Bilhan, Zavan, and Akan. The sons of Dehan, Uz, and Aran. These were the Herite chiefs. Lotan, Shabal, Zibion, Anah, Dahan, Ezer, and Dehan. These were the Harite chiefs according to their divisions in the land of Seir. These were the kings who reigned in Adam before any Israelite king reigned. Bela, son of Beor, became king of Adam. His city was named Denhabah.
When Bella died, Zobab, son of Zerah from Basra, succeeded him as king. When Jobab died, Hasham from the land of the Temanites succeeded him as king. When Hasham died, Hadad, son of Badad, who defeated Midian in the country of Moab, succeeded him as king. His city was named Azith. When Hadad died, Sunlah from Mazraka succeeded him as king. When Sunlah died, Shaul from Rahabath on the river succeeded him as king. When Shaul died, Baal Hanan, son of Akbor, succeeded him as king. When Baal Hanan, son of Akbor, died, Hadad succeeded him as king. His city was named Pau, and his wife's name was Mahatabel, daughter of Maitrid, the daughter of Me-Zahabad. These were the chief descendants from Esau, by name according to their clans and regions. Timnah, Alva, Jetheth, Ahalamabah, Elah, Penan, Kenaz, Teman, Mibzar, Magdiel, and Aram. These were the chiefs of Adam, according to their settlements in the land they occupied. This is the family line of Esau, the father of the Edomites. Job 25. Then Bildad, the Shuite, replied, Dominion and awe belong to God. He establishes order in the heights of heaven. Can he force? Can his forces be numbered? On whom does his light not rise? How then can a mortal be righteous before God? How can one born of woman be pure? If even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his eyes, how much less a mortal who is but a maggot, a human being who is only a worm? Then Job replied, How you have helped the powerless, how you have saved the arm that is feeble, what advice you have offered to one without wisdom, and what great insight you have displayed. Who has helped you utter these words, and whose spirit spoke from your mouth? The dead are in deep anguish, those beneath the waters and all that live in them. The realm of the dead is naked before God. Destruction lies uncovered. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out the horizon on the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens quake aghast at his rebuke. By his power, he churns up the sea. By his wisdom, he cut Rahab to pieces. By his breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent, and and these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him. Who then can understand thunder of his power? Proverbs 3, verse 19. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life to you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Okay, well, I continue to be sorry for the way I pronounce many, if not most, of those names. But as I will encourage you, and I will encourage me, growth mindset. I'll keep practicing and learning how to pronounce the ones I said wrong, better, or the Lord willing, right in the future. Uh, So in this story, in this story, God calls Jacob into action, and Jacob responds. This alone for me is quite a change in my observation of his relationship with the Lord so far. So it's cool to see that Jacob is maturing in his faith, 
Jacob additionally called his household to get rid of their foreign idols and purify themselves before they leave. Jacob builds an altar to God. It's an act of God first in the leaving and the coming that everyone can see. It's an act that bears God's name and image to the family and his neighbors. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, I'm I'm reflecting to think of how I can audit my own life and consider what idols I can lay down and how I can confess my sins to the Lord and purification of my heart and how I can lay on the altar of God my first fruits of my resources and my time, the things I love most in honor and service of his kingdom and his one apostolic church. Because in bearing his name like that, we um, others can also see our relationship with the Lord and our commitment. And hopefully uh, part of that is them seeing this invitation and, and sparking this inner curiosity in them towards our relationship with God. Also, did anyone else notice that when God blessed Jacob again, he named him Israel? And did you do a double take like I first did because I was like, um, I think I already read this. I think God already changed his name a few verses back to Israel after wrestle after a wrestling match. Um, do you remember reading that, right? So this led me back into the commentaries, and uh, Dr. John Walton in his commentary indicated that perhaps the first time was actually more of like an apostolic dream or a prophecy and not the actual, like an actual physical wrestling match and an actual renaming, but this is what was going to happen. My sources didn't really address this too much, but I did read that perhaps the first time wasn't the actual ordeal, like I mentioned, and that this case, in this story that we just read, this is more of him actually being renamed Israel, which means wrestling with God, which, oh man, how many of us struggle with the Lord and what he wants? So relatable. We've been seeing this in humanity as well, not just Jacob since Genesis 3, the wrestle to be who we we were meant to be or in our relationships. We're taking, oftentimes we're deceiving. We're desiring sometimes to be our own God in lowercase and take what we want, which has led us so much into violence, um, enslaving others, mistreating women. And that's just thus far. Ugh. But not too far away from now, the natural consequences will happen. Uh, Exile and slavery of the chosen family, the ones called into the rescue mission. Um, But we'll also be reading a cool story about Joseph, who is faithful in exile and what that can look like, too. But in our story today, we also learned that Deborah— Rebecca's nurse dies, which is somewhat puzzling to me because I'm not sure why her death is recorded and what it's supposed to mean or relate to. If any of you have any sources, uh, let me know at thestoryeducators at gmail.com. And then next we learn that Rachel dies, uh, giving birth to their youngest son, who she names Ben-Oni, which means son of my trouble. And Jacob renamed him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand after she passes away. Then Reuben, who's the oldest son of Jacob, it's Leah's son, their firstborn son, sleeps with Rachel's servant and handmaid, Bilhah, and the mother of two of Jacob's sons. So that feels startling, right, in the story. And uh, the Torah.com calls this a laconic verse, which is troubling. Um, Laconic means to use very few words, which is like a loud silence. So as I've been learning, the Hebrew language is really cool and 
it seems so much of it um, has this intentional connection with how it's writing. We use things like subheadings and punctuation. They use different methods, and this is one of them. Uh, so to say very few words and then to leave a, a pause or this section, which is building in a loud silence. So the few words in loud silence have meaning. Dr. John Walton's commentary points to the fact that some see this as an act of usurping his father's authority because, in quotes, belonging, she belongs to Jacob, but the timing of it, right after Rachel's death, whom is the wife Jacob loved, Dr. Walton states it may have been to secure Leah, who is his mother, her position as the principal wife, uh, because the act of sleeping with Rachel's handmaid brings shame and undermines her status. Uh, in the clan, which is entirely wrong and unfair. Uh, but maybe Reuben was thinking that Jacob may have chosen uh, this handmaid because it was Rachel's servant. In any and all cases, uh, wrong, but it it is in there. And so we're trying to figure out why it's in there and what, what might be happening. We can see based on 1 Chronicles 5 that this led to disorder. So Reuben's right as firstborn was actually then given to Joseph, so there's consequences for his actions. However, since I already know a bit more about Reuben in the stories to come, he will be the one to basically stop his brothers from murdering Joseph out of envy. So I wouldn't write him off entirely just yet, although this is an egregious act. Oh, how we human beings can do such harm to others, our families, ourselves, and still we can be part of God's rescue plan. What a merciful and awesome God we serve. There's a reminder constantly threaded into these stories to trust God, to be a blessing, to lay down the outcome we want right now and seek his ways more than we want in the moment to seek forgiveness and to give forgiveness. So next, Isaac, Jacob's father, dies at 180 years old. Did anyone else find this surprising? It seemed like the author was writing Isaac as blind and ready to pass the torch a number of years ago at the point of the blessing um, of the Jacob and Esau story. It is wonderful to think that Isaac was able to see reconciliation between his twin sons and the growth of his descendants with the 12 sons of Israel. And last, there was uh, me trying hard to accurately pronounce the genealogy of Esau's descendants. It's educational and perhaps a touch entertaining. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.